it's called momentum. It's a once a train gets going, once you get enough freight cars behind it, you get going down that hill, there's no stopping it. There's no stopping it. It just, it keeps on going farther and farther downhill until yeah, it crashes and burns. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure that's the euphemism that we want to, we want to go with, but, but your heart's in the right place. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We've reached episode 759. This is February 7, 2024, as we record this. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Brett Van Spruenberg. And why are we Joshless tonight? I know, I know. Josh yeah. has Josh wasn't able to join us this evening for personal reasons. Nothing onerous or anything. I think he'll probably be back right. next but week. He'll be here in spirit during a couple of tonight's yeah. segments. I guarantee. Wait, are you going to talk financials about something? Uh, I, I think we're going to talk nanometers. Oh, There's that's right. Okay, some process tech news. Going to be a nanometer okay. talk, and mm -hmm. and Jeremy has kindly queued up a food segment for us. Josh is on so Twitch. Was I drop? Was I dropping out? Josh is Twitch streaming right now and not podcasting right with us. Oh. Is that? Oh, is that I feel true? so. I feel so violent. I right see now. exactly where we fit in now. <laughs> playing Flight Simulator on Twitch and not mm. podcasting with us. You can go to patreon.com slash PCPer and become one of our patrons, I believe is what they call it. And show them. us more love than Josh is right now. Yeah, exactly. Instead of streaming yourself playing Microsoft Flight Simulator instead of podcasting with us, you could support the site and maybe even coax Josh back next week. It's possible. Yep. We want to thank... Kubuntu Kowalski. Again, ah. this is like second time in recent yep. memory. M. He's Rodriguez the, definitely as well. And M. Rodriguez. There's two, 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 two new Patreons this week. <laughs> we love it. Thank you for keeping the weights yeah, on. Yeah, thank, thank you, both of you. Um, really appreciate it. Just more the merrier. Get on board. Let's keep this exactly. train going. Yeah. It's Join our exclusive club. Jeremy, would you like to introduce Josh's Burger of the Week? Well, uh, those familiar with the podcast are going to instant realize that this definitely is not from Born on a Barn. Uh, the fries do not look anything like that, and the burger is not squished, as, you know, is tradition with Josh's lunches. And does look like it's a double patty, or else it's just one incredibly thick one. With I, I see separation mm. there, so I'm assuming it's a double smash patty with uh, mm. some sort of white substance sprayed all over it. Uh, looks lovely. Well, that's, that, the bun I am very jealous of. <laughs> I mean, we've mm. we've got uh, two different types of sesame seeds from the looks of it. It's hard to see if there is anything in there other than meat and cheese. Uh, I would suspect that there's at least some whiskey sauce in there because he called it a whiskey burger. It wouldn't surprise me if there were mushrooms hidden in there, but you never know. And those fries do look just about perfect. The skin has been left on. It's been fried to mm -hmm. a point where you can just see how happy that potato ended up being before it was consumed by Josh. Uh, Would you call the whole these... thing gives off an, an air of being slightly more, I don't want to, uh, I'm looking for words like put together, mm -hmm. less oozing. Um, it, it looks I, I don't gourmet. Know. It yeah. does. Uh, yes. Yes. Practically gourmet. 
And apparently he got this done uh, medium well, if I'm interpreting the yeah. stick correctly. Uh, certainly looks like yeah. a medium well to me. The pickle's a little disappointing. You would hope for a bigger pickle with a sandwich that size. Yeah. But. Well, what are you compensating you know, for? Did, when you have a burger this big, you don't need a big pickle to go with and, it. And with a bum, with, with, with a, uh, a bun that firm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. Let's move Let's. on to news and our top story, a very intriguing price cut from AMD. They're being aggressive yes. in the wake of those super releases from NVIDIA. They have the RX 7900 XT now available for as little as 699 United States Also dollars. known as roughly half the price that an RTX 4080 Super is retailing for right now. <laughs> yeah, because that, that 999 was... You know, yeah, it's best case it scenario last. that you can find one for that. You know, wait, check the stock at Newegg and other places, but it's going to be hard to find at that price, yeah, especially for to partner cards. But see. that is a nice price. Lowest price in 30 days. No kidding. That is uh, very attractive. It's in stock. I can add it to my cart right now. It's a Sapphire Pulse model, so I know it's going to be quiet. Cool. Mm-hmm. And do you really need more than and the and custom? XT? Their their boards their boards are high quality, so there's no doubt that's going to run very 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 well. So, the price cut on the 7900 XT, would you buy that over? What does uh, Nvidia have at that price level officially? That's somewhere in between Seven. the 4070 Super and the 4070 yeah. Ti Super. Do they have a six hundred ninety nine dollar card anymore? Isn't it five ninety nine and then seven ninety nine? Well, that's what I'm thinking. But then, because of what prices are doing right now, so our next news story is a non-story. Well, kind of. It's it's the fact that we don't have a review of the Ryzen eight thousand G APUs, uh, even though we got them. We actually why? have those. I was testing them in advance, but there were some problems with the performance consistency and longer multi-threaded workload type situations in AMD. I think it was Gamers Nexus who discovered this and then Anontech was reporting on it. This is from February 2nd. AMD set to fix Ryzen 8000G APU STAPM throttling issue. Sustained loads affected. It, it's... Ooh. I was able to see this myself very easily. You get up to about the 182nd mark of any multi-core benchmark, and it will just drop. Mine dropped from 5 gigahertz down to about 3. And it wasn't because of thermals. I was running a 360 millimeter liquid cooler at 100% pump and fans, and the temps were great. It just started throttling. And it was almost like, you know, the old days of an Intel processor when it hit its, like, tau period, and it would revert back to PL1 and be power limited, but this was not the case. Apparently, it's a skin temperature feature. Aware. Yeah. What is it? Skin temperature so aware power management. management. And it's because yeah. this is a mobile part, and it's been adapted for use in socket AM5, and it just didn't disable that. So simple firmware update. Hopefully, I'm still waiting. It's been about five days since I have heard anything from my representative they said that they would keep me apprised of a BIOS update. And warning for those at home, please do not check the temperature of your pro- running processor with your skin. Uh, it's probably <sighs> shut, it will. shut down by them. Back in the day, oh. you could reach over and touch the top of your like ceramic top you CPU could. and yep. feel if it was warm when your system wasn't posting. Like, oh, the CPU is warm, though. Oh, it's very yeah. warm. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, now you may leave skin behind. I smell burning flesh. Yes. <laughs> 
I should probably be using a heat sink. TSMC allegedly not rushing into the adoption of high NA EUV machinery. Now, for those not in the know, this high NA process high technology. numerical aperture. There have been some questions raised uh, uh, about the practical nature of doing this because the the amount of money, I think Josh had linked something a week or two oh, ago was on many, Twitter. Many multiple billions just keep moving the decimal yes. point. You've, you've worked uh, with optical engineers at one point in your, your history. I am not an optical engineer, but I have okay. had to work with optics many times. Okay. In your professional opinion, Brett, how, based on what you know about high NA and how they have to implement it, how practical does it seem that you would be using lenses of the size? Let me just try to find a picture here. It may not even be lensing. They may actually be using like solids and allowing the light to stream yeah. through it in order to uh, arrange. Uh, light is a funny way of acting both like a like a waveform and a particle. So it does very funny things and you need to uh, to laze it or you need to coalesce it in uh, using very interesting techniques like magnetics can be used to handle it. Um, uh, semi-transparent solids yeah exotic yeah. materials and once you get down into very very precise drawing in the two nanometer and smaller processes like this the it, the the wizardry that goes into this is as you said very very expensive so they're looking at like a five-year time uh time horizon for this instead of what we were sort of looking at like oh two nanometers coming you know they're working on this it's it's right around the corner maybe in a year or two it's really more like five plus uh, for this process. Because um, as you were saying, they've got to kind of throw out everything they're doing and they believe they can take their current processes further and continue to extract value from those while they sort of save up the money to build this. So they aren't really seeing any uh, need for this before 2029 instead of 2026 or 2027. Mm -hmm. So it, it, in theory, entry in Intel Foundry services will be the first one to uh, do this, or at least call it this. Yeah, they look to be coming online um, about two years earlier. Yeah. And it will be the age of the A. Yeah. Because do you want 1.4 nanometer or do you want A14? <laughs> depends on yeah well their nomenclature is uh divorced from the actuality of what is it they're building well, so. yes well, and then there'll be uh, intel tiny. the argument is the argument is of course well where are you taking the measurement from so it's it's an argument for people who are it, it's who a very a complex to formula to make sure that everyone feels that they're uh you know not being yeah. told that they're bigger than dist, they are in this case dist not being disrespected. <laughs> exactly. Look, they yes, were 850 tired. picometer is correct, but some people can't count that high anymore. So we're going with a big number, not better when you're talking yeah. about process tech. You need a tiny number. And and there's the naming convention problem that they're going to be, you know, struggling with soon once they get into the almost sub nanometer eventually. But yeah. the idea would be to get there. Where do you go from it's there? Like suddenly the numbers will get get much larger, you know, rather than continually getting smaller. In our next news story, this comes from PC Gamer. Resizable bar mod for older gaming PCs said to deliver up to twelve percent more performance could breathe a little more life into systems as old as Sandy Bridge, the twenty six hundred K era, right? 
It's it's like twelve years ago. Yeah. Because Ivy Bridge was third gen. Okay, Sandy Bridge. What was first gen? Halem? Like the core I oh gosh nine. Didn't they backdate? Didn't they backdate their gen nomenclature to include something that's like, oh, this is the second gen. We we didn't know it was going to be second gen. I think it. I think it's Nahalem. Was the core not that core? Yeah, core. It was before they went bridges and lakes and all all of that sort of thing. This isn't official by any means. Well, it's a it's a, a a mod a hack. You know, is it a hack? It's definitely a mod. I would go that far. In fact, it's a little bit involved. And it starts at the UEFI layer where you need to make some tweaks to the UEFI. There's some custom code to go in there. So you got to have a lot of trust in in this sort of thing to to do this. But it is possible if you have uh, an older PC and you're just kind of stuck with it and you got a game on it, this could be a way for you to get some reasonable performance if the game supports uh, rebar here. Uh, there's, uh, yeah. it's multi-step. Like I said, it's, uh, it's fairly involved, but it could be worth it if you go through it, uh, have a graphics card as old as like, a an RX, you know, 480 or even a 580 or something like that. You might be able to squeeze 10% more out of it, depending on the game. Your uh, 1080 on the other hand is not going to benefit from this. Sorry. You know, a- NVIDIA was a lot more particular about, uh, yes, they were. smart access memory. Isn't the whole point of this just to get those cheap Intel graphics cards working on older systems? Uh, it would certainly Interesting work, Interesting yeah. you should say that. Uh, but Arc onto ma- an ancient at- machine? Yeah. Exactly. The Arc is the affordable graphics card of this generation. And you must, you must have rebar or, or, yes. or smart access yeah. memory. You gotta have rebar or you go to, Yeah, with, with the Intel one. So it makes a certain amount of sense. Um, What's with an older curious CPU to me, though, is that Intel GPU. Sandy Bridge, correct me if I'm wrong, was PCIe 2. I think, <laughs> was it Ivy Bridge that introduced PCIe 3? Or was that uh, Sandy you're Bridge? You're looking at very, s- potentially very slow bus speeds to RAM, so right. I wonder if the performance uplift is really there. Especially mm-hmm. when you have a card that's going to be like a by 4 or a by 8 running on something as old as Gen mm-hmm. 2. I'm going to look this up. Oh, come on. We still do buy K. Memory had their own lanes, but was the cross-connect fast enough to actually warrant smart access memory? Would there actually be an uplift on boards that were that slow? And we're using a bridge. Hmm, I don't know. I mean, if you there's a chance you're going to get a boost out of something that's 12 years old at this point. Hey. If you kill it, well, it was time to upgrade anyways. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like, according to the TPU database here, it's PCI Express Gen two. I think Ivy Bridge was the first that was Gen three. Unless yeah. you had a fancy while, chip on the motherboard. While you can do this, you might not want to. Uh, no, yeah. I love that people Board are doing it. But yeah. if it if it supports newer than the twenty six hundred K as well, obviously, then you just you know throw mm-hmm. an Ivy Bridge in it there does. on your Z sixty seven board and. Uh, Enjoy that PCI Express 3.0 experience. Nope. We're going to move on. Windows 10. Are you still having trouble running Windows 10 on the old? Well, yeah, I have an original generation Threadripper. It's not qualified to run Windows 11. And it's straight out. Oops. Nope, that's unsupported hardware. That's Yes, that's true. I'm misreading this. It's not that you're having trouble with Windows 10. It's that you have a machine that does not meet the stringent hardware requirements of Windows 11. And what are you going to do about it? Well, Microsoft would like you to throw it out. And to make their yeah. point very clear... 
uh, a recent uh, update, and these are for the apps, uh, not the. It's not like an actual Windows update or anything, but some recent updates have killed Calculator, Photos, Calendar. You know, just the, the, the sort of basic things that you would use an ancient PC for, and so you just try and run it, and uh, it just fails and pops up an error, and so you know it suggests, hey. Well, maybe you should go to the uh, Microsoft Feedback Hub so that uh, you can let Microsoft know that this is broken. I'll give you one guess as to what else broke with these recent updates. The access to Feedback Hub? Yes. So you can't even <laughs> complain to Microsoft about your broken apps. They don't want I'm to hear sure it. that was totally I saw accidental. that one coming. <laughs> I saw that coming. <laughs> they just want you to update to Windows 11 because... Yep. Why? So, and honestly, from what uh, people have been looking at, the reason is not horrific. They updated some of the apps to use newer instruction sets, breaking backwards compatibility. And some of these you know, we've newer talked instruction about the sets are 10 years old. So we've talked yeah, about the necessity okay. of 64 bit instructions. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't, so, I mean, don't fair, tell but... Brett that there's anything wrong with killing. 32-bit support oh. on your operating system. Correct. Absolutely correct. You want a Monterey? What are you running these days, Brett? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. It's what okay. are you emulating your 16-bit programs on? Sheep Saver, right? <laughs> Sheep Shaver. You know what? VM, Shaver, right? VMware. Yeah, VMware and and Sebastian knows this. VMware is a thing, or virtual PCs are, mm -hmm. are a thing, and you can take an older. Uh, whatever it is that you happen to be running is your native OS. And you can kind of proliferate from there, both up and down the move on from windows 95. Yeah. And yeah, it's time, it's, it's time to move on from windows 95 into windows 98 <laughs> SE. <laughs> yep. What sheep shaver. That was a throwaway comment. What be this? This is the oh, open source know? power Mac emulator. Yeah. Ever use this? Oh, of course I have. Our next news story concerns Google Maps, which uh, will soon come with AI hallucinations, thankfully. Really, Jeremy? Hallucinations? Are you sure? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, they, they might. There, there is sort of a, uh, a drive out there to stop calling them hallucinations because uh, several mind theorists are upset at the idea that, you know, they're stealing a word that only should happen to a, an actual conscious being. That left aside, yeah, uh, Google Maps local guides feature. So it's not just the straight up maps. It's the, hi, Google, I'm in a strange city and I'd kind of like to, you know, check out some random places in the, this city. And so it will give you like a little more natural language search results. But I mean, the, it's going to misunderstand some of the things that you ask and, and you might end up with some more interesting encounters during your day than you wanted. Uh, and honestly, I, I'm just sort of worried that out of the desperate need to be able to provide a result, it will come up with stuff that doesn't actually exist or is vaguely, vaguely related to what you were searching for. I'm also not sure if it won't send you to like the, the best, you know, late night eat shop might be in the little of a area that you know, you're in LA and that's sort of where the gang wars are going on. But hey, 
on the plus side, it is the best late night eat place. So yeah, I don't know. It, it could be interesting and it's a good way to start because if you're using local guides, you're already saying, Hey, internet, tell me where to go. So we'll see. It's only going to be available in the U S. Uh, so the rest of us won't have to suffer. And if you guys survive it, well, we shall see. I was liking the suggestion in the chat that this could be, you know, something where you're asking for what's the nearest place selling potato chips. What I would like to happen is that then the generative AI says, oh, this uh, comic book store over here, which also sells snacks at their counter. And then it brings people into the local comic book stores and enhances, uh, and develops nerd culture. Well, I mean, this can certainly <laughs> happen because LLMs are essentially reading LLM generated descriptions of places now. Yeah. Like there are huge volumes of texts mm-hmm. in this product descriptions you don't even see. They're in the back end uh, and they're they're scooped up by these large language models going out there. And they get ChatGPT 4.0 to write them about, I want to be on the top Google research of everything. And so they get an LLM to write it. And the best thing is that LLMs tend to be biased towards other LLM written material. And so you can rock it up to the top very quickly until an engineer catches you. And uh, then you get sort of pushed down. But yeah, it's it's LLMs all the way down. Or at least it will be soon. If, if you spend a little time digging in on this sort of hallucination thing, there's really something to it in that... Oh, yeah. It, it vaguely actually resembles uh, a, a, a mind creating or synthesizing something that doesn't really exist or isn't there. And an and LLM slash AI will happily attempt to satisfy your request, generate a, a real result, but create something that wasn't really there, but seems vaguely truthiness. There have been instances of a, an LLM actually citing um, legal uh, decisions and past performances in, in law and and pr- giving those back to lawyers and saying, hey, this this thing actually, you know, is a settled, you know, case or something there, like that. So there's a court case it, in there's, front there's, of uh, BC Supreme Court right now where they're deciding oh, really? how much to fine the lawyer who used uh, ChatGPT to generate uh, their defense and it literally came right. up with three cases that do not exist. And it's not so much that you use ChatGPT, it's that you didn't fact check afterwards and have wasted the court's time. Uh, you did literally stand up. Like lawyers aren't exactly under oath, but they're not supposed to make stuff up and did. Yeah. So it's already a foregone conclusion. There will be a fine and punishment. It's just how much. Well, it's a, it's a great example of we lack a better word for it other than to describe it as yeah. as hallucination. I mean, works, but uh, sure, yeah. like utter total, you know, garbage ego. Anyways, yeah, let's uh, yeah, enough, let's, about- hey, enough about Google. Here's another Google story. Google will no longer <laughs> back up the internet. The yeah, it's dead. I saw this the other day and I was thinking, oh no, now our reliance on the internet archive is even greater. And what happens if it ever goes away? Right. Scary. Start saving those web pages this, manually. So I, I know that I used to use this feature and what we're talking about here is when you search something on Google and it sort of iterates through all the different web pages, there used to be a little link at the end of it where you could see a quick version of that particular page. And it was often uh, useful to 
see what's on that page or get a sense of it before visiting the site. But Google also did it as a way to uh, show a result if the source material or the source site was inaccessible for whatever reason, whether it was a routing problem between you and there, or the site was down. The internet, as it's grown over the number of years, has become a bit more resilient and a bit more distributed, especially with the proliferation of uh, multi-point uh, sources for the same sites and, um, and caching engines and things like that. So they've decided to do away with this and euphemistically calling it, we're not backing up the internet anymore. Yeah. There's a URL in here that if you go and look at it, that you can still get at cached um, pages that if you if you say like cache colon and then put in a URL, it'll show you all of the cached URLs that are still coming from that site. So it's still there, but they're doing away with it. And then they've done away with all of the documentation uh, of, uh, of caching. Now, Google is... Typically, you know, your lady of perpetual beta anyway. So this feature right. was probably yes. just always in beta and they meant to kill it. But if you want to be even more terrified, Google Hatchet versus Internet Archive, <laughs> which was actually found, the, the case has been decided against the Internet Archive. So uh, being able to check out digital copies of books uh, is apparently not fair use anymore. And of course, what? Internet Archive <laughs> is not going to get those the, that money back that they did. So yeah, huh. so the Internet Archive is also in a bit of trouble. Well, yeah, because you know, anytime the information is freely available, it poses a risk to the people who would like to charge you for everything that exists. Yes, like Flickr especially images. the stuff that's out of copyright and literally doesn't really have an owner or a. a the, the Tolkien, he's dead, but he's got the foundation after him, the, the owners of the copyrights. What's the word oh, I'm looking for? Yeah. yeah, there's there's companies that trade around the rights for things. Intellectual uh, property. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's not but, abandoned. Yeah, so even those like that aren't, well, more or less, it is. But you've got the, uh, the legacy of people who sort of do still hold the copyright, even though the original copyright owner is dead, but... Now they're suing for stuff that, thank you, it's a state, essential kazoo. Uh, so mm. right, you've got the estate afterwards, but eventually these copyrights expire. But the problem is that for some reason it's been decided that if the Internet Archive scans that, that, uh, yeah, no, you, you really shouldn't be allowed to do that somehow. Even though they published it and it was just backed yes. up. Somebody with Google Fiber needs to download a quick copy of the Internet just to yeah. just back it up. There's a lot of the internet that should never be backed up, but it was always very helpful. <laughs> Censorship. That's what this is. This is what it feels like to me. Cause there was always that case where you would see it's, that it's there was Orwellian. this one headline. You're like, did they really say that? And you would go and it was changed. But you go to the cache yes. result and you could still see the, yes. you know, this article was edited at this point in nonsense. time. And this is what was exactly. changed. Yeah. Like you have to use yeah, the internet archive to read the original ministry of truth. Yeah. Ministry of Truth is what we're dealing with here. If I want to read the original version with the original headline of Just Buy It from Times Hardware about the RTX 2080, <laughs> I've got to go to the archive. Oh, that's mean. to go to archive.org And now. it's there. Microsoft is bringing the Linux sudo command to Windows Server. Yep. Uh, they're just, they have that Linux envy, don't they? They, they have sure a terminal do. now. Yeah. They have sudo. Yeah, they 
the, you the, can get, the Linux compatibility. Uh, Azure instances that are it from the ground up. Yeah. Uh, it's just another example of embrace and extend. So this looks like uh, a pre-release developer mode version of uh, Windows Server 2025 that uh, appears to have some support for sudo uh, in it. For, and uh, for those not familiar with the command, it allows you to execute uh, on Linux servers or Unix servers commands with root privileges. Now that's usually yep. done in the CLI, but it looks like Windows is trying to combine uh, that aspect of it, the CLI part, with some ability to kick off programs uh, in a windowed environment, maybe in a way that doesn't allow them to have uh, interactive shells, or so, a way to run and be done. Oh, go ahead. John. You're suggesting they don't want to bring UAC to servers, is what you're suggesting. It, it apparently, you know, <laughs> acts, the unified that's access a good control, idea. I think. Don't get me wrong. That's yeah, UAC, UAC was terrible. It reminds it me is. of the old uh, Mac versus PC commercial. Do you remember that? Do you remember those where he had UAC on and he couldn't do anything? Allow or deny, deny or allow. <laughs> it was terrible. But anyway, um, yeah, this there's some. Uh, conjecture here that this might be coming to Windows 11, you know, after they after they roll this out. But you know, Linux Envy, Microsoft. Now they'll find some way to put their own embrace and extend twist on it, where it won't really. They they could have called it something else. So instead, they borrowed this pseudo concept, which is has a very particular uh, outcome and the way that it works. I, I don't see them bringing that exact you know, micro experience to windows. So it's going to be something else that they just will label as sudo. Now on the eve of security corner, as we are right now on the podcast, I find it interesting that Microsoft adding the super user command to their terminal that could not possibly have any negative consequences down the road. You oh, can, I'm sure they'll implement it perfectly securely. Yeah, yeah, totally secure. There's no scripting mm -hmm. that's going to happen and just start doing super user commands all over the place. No. And uh, overriding... Uh, wouldn't sudo override administrator? I mean, that's it's the super user. It's the ultimate authority. I mean, authority. essentially, it's, all it's doing is run as admin. They, so? there's like a yeah. There's like a mixed role concept going on here. Oh, I don't okay. know why they need something like this with run as admin already built in. I'm not sure I understand the reasoning. Oh, well, as I mentioned uh, to uh, whoever asked me the question, uh, Sierra Pole, you're, you can run that from within a non-elevated window, right? So instead of running oh, yeah, command shell yeah. as mm -hmm. a, an admin and then doing everything, yeah. you can just literally yeah. once dump in a command, done. And, and that's the point characters. inside Linux. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. There is okay. one less character in there. Let us move to security or insecurity corner. And the first story is from uh, Asus Store. Now, this is actually a story at Guru of 3D, but Asus Store has issued a urgent surveillance center update due to a critical vulnerability. Now, if you cast your mind back to 2022, this is the same company that was struggling with uh, vulnerabilities that led to ransomware risks and... I guess they're having more issues. This uh, poses a significant risk as it could potentially grant attackers elevated privileges to execute malicious code on ADM facilitating malware installation. So at least they have a fix already out. You can just update your uh, surveillance center to the latest version. Change I your mean, password. It always 
it always sounds so convenient to expose your appliance outside of your home network to for remote access purposes because wow that just sounds so convenient and then this kind of stuff continues to pop up and it's not just asus store it's there's qnap you know uh, this has happened many 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 times so any even on local network if you have bad actors hopping on to your local network if you have people getting in your house you know it could happen uh this is just a tired story uh i don't know what to say about this other than please don't allow remote access to your appliances it's not a good idea but but brett i want to use it as a, mm-hmm. a file server as i travel the world I and can go like I know call home to my nas and access all of my open source software yes. and public use domain video set up okay. a vpn server on your on your yes, router yes, or whatever apply that sort of appliance networking gear do it like that okay this at first i thought this said fortnite but no it is fortinet the evil toothbrush botnet <laughs> this is fabulous this is is it like it's a headline that was too good to be true that turned out to be too good to be true uh an un named person a representative of fortinet they're a security company they do vpns they do security hardware this is sort of their bread and butter suggested that ah roughly three million smart electric toothbrushes uh were hacked because they're all running java and were used as a ddos attack against a swiss company to completely take it down this never happened and most electric toothbrushes have at best Bluetooth so they can connect locally, but they, they don't speak TCP IP. They really don't have the ability to do a DDoS. But at the same time, uh, since we don't have a sponsor, I will not refer to it as its proper name, but the internet of shit, uh, <clears throat> there is reason to believe this. Like we have had smart toilets in, uh, you know, take part in DDoS attacks. We've had toasters, refrigerators, just about everything because they're literally insecure by design. If you're doorknobs and you bought something <laughs> yeah. from Amazon, like a doorknob, you might get three to five years of updates out of it tops. Chances are it'll be like two or three years and like, ah, you know what? We're not doing that anymore. We're going to something else. But even if you are getting those security updates, They've probably hard-coded passwords in there or various other things that literally can't be patched out or that they can't be arsed to. So the theory that, yes, 3 million toothbrushes could eventually do a DDoS is possible. It didn't happen, though. And there's much better examples that you could. A couple of uh, news stories, and because, you know, a lot of news sites are so credulous, they fully pulled this out. It's, It's hit the YouTube influencers at this point. So don't worry, you'll be seeing lots more about this story as if it was true. Uh, another story pointed out that uh, Fortinet's stock price actually went up a little bit after this story came out. So, you know, take that as you will. But no, this did not happen. But uh, if you ask ChatGPT, I'm sure it did. Well, Discord and, suggests that it's hallucination, Jeremy. There yeah. you go. It was so probably an AI-generated news post. And, AI. You know, yeah, it's, it's the crazy. AI security yeah. company now. Seems truthy. And <sighs> the best part about it is, like, um, the day after this happened, all of a sudden, two 10 out of 10 CVEs 
for uh, a Fortinet client came out. And <laughs> people were like, oh my god, Oops. oh crap. Why is this dated September 2023? So they did a database update for a couple of things on the on the CVE that was released last year and already patched several months ago as if it was a brand new one. So someone at Fortinet is having a really, really bad week right now. And it's review time. So when they ask, what have you done for us lately? It's not going to be good. No, it's not. Our next uh, security story, Mozilla Monitor Plus, protecting us users from data breaches for a price. I mean, you have to subscribe to this service, of course, because how else are they going to... You know, security isn't free. It's not Yeah, exactly. No, it's about nine bucks a month. But I mean, can you really put a price on your security? Apparently you can. It's $9 a month. Oh, or okay. $107 uh, a year. But uh, yeah, so they this is a new Mozilla feature that a couple of other places already offer, uh, up to including the professional ones. What they do is they've got uh, access to a whole bunch of the data brokers who shouldn't exist in the first place, but it's okay that they do. Uh, but anyway, so they'll scan them and they actually claim to be doing a couple more than most of the other places will. And they monitor it. And so if any of your personal information comes up, uh, any of your passwords have been released to this, they will let you know right off the bat. And they will actually give you steps on what to do, which is, you know, change your password. Don't give out your mother's maiden name to every person. It's, it's, you know, you'd think it was easy, but there's enough business out there that, uh, you know, companies like Mozilla can offer this. It's again, only available in the U S and they will, uh, give you a one-time, uh, search so that you can take a look at it and see if you'd like this service or not. But in order to be effectively searching for all of your personal information and passwords, you do kind of have to provide a lot of personal information to Mozilla to make the search a little more effective. And while they do guarantee that, yeah, it will all be encrypted and such. It also means that there is yet another place that all of your personal information is up there. And if they happen to get a data breach, well, it's sort of recursive in that they're going to alert that uh, you need to change your passwords because they came up on a data broker, which then immediately grabs your new ones from Firefox or Mozilla's new Monitor Plus, and it's just sort of in a loop here. So it is a good service, don't get me wrong, uh, and it's nice to see. It is not free because you have to pay for access to these data brokers' databases. So, yeah, if you don't like some of the other ones, this is a theory, it, it theoretically a good idea, but at the same time, you've got to think that uh, maybe just practice safe computing and don't fall for it in the first place. He says, knowing that uh, Corey Dr. Rao just actually fell for a bank scam yesterday. Hmm. They're, they're getting really good. Finally, in uh, this segment, critical flaw in shim bootloader impacts major Linux distros. Yep. Okay. How do you feel about this? Yeah, Brett? Do you, oh my gosh. Do you like Linux on modern uh, uh, boards with secure boot? Oh, you do? Well, guess what? You need a little piece of open source software called Shim. And that gets between the Microsoft secure boot layer and the operating system. 
So what that does is it sort of pulls Linux into the secure boot place. And that shim is signed as a, a Microsoft executable. And that gets you in, into uh, UEFI goodness for Linux. Well, guess what? There is a hack that due to the way that this has been signed by Microsoft and the way that it's checked, that there is a way to get code now between the Linux like Grub as a, like the bootloader for Linux, the, sh the shim engine and the secure boot. And once you're in that space for UEFI, you pretty much own everything that can happen after that. This mm -hmm. is an extremely deadly place to have an injectable flaw or to have something that's wedgeable uh, to be hackable. Now, this isn't necessarily remotely, you know, pickable or anything like that. You 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 generally have to have um, physical access or network access because this is a um, a problem in a what's called the HTTP loader. So if you have the ability to do something like um, bring a, a, a Linux um, uh, USB drive or a, a boot um, loader from a, a CD or something to a, yep. to a device, or you can force it if, as part of its boot process, if you can change the UFI to look for a remote service to boot from, and you can, you can interrupt that with a man in the middle attack. You can own that box if you're on the network. This is it's it's that it's a, it's that nature. It's a bad one. I'm not sure they've they've patched this one yet. I, I think that they have. There's a no, new bootloader for this. Well, there may be a new bootloader, but what you have to do is you have to go in and invalidate the. And I think it's at the UEFI layer. You have to invalidate the previous signing certificate that Microsoft was shipping to allow things like shim to work. So they, they, you have to invalidate that signing cert so that this shim attack no longer works. It's bad, and it's a, it can affect Red Hat, Debian, Ubuntu, SUS. Um, uh, so a lot of the major vendors are potentially impacted by this. Yeah. And it's a good Sorry, thing Jeremy, there haven't been a bunch of uh, UEFI vulnerabilities recently released that uh, are you can't get rid of that might actually work really well with this in a horrific manner. I, and I can't believe that earlier I was just advocating for, yeah, let's run uh, uh, Sam on an older board. You just need this UEFI <laughs> hack. I know yeah. it's kind of cuts, it cuts both ways. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, so security corner. Get shim upgraded. Invalidate yeah. that Microsoft cert. Go take a look at this. Check your shim. I think it's 15.8 is the newest one. I think I just read. Yeah, get your shim anyway, together. Come on. Get your shim together. Yeah. Otherwise, someone will wedge it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Linux vulnerability. Thanks, Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. That's <laughs> <sighs> kind of true. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to gaming quick hits. And first, a quick update about Starfield. There is a new beta or beta available today. It's Starfield Update 1.9.67, and it includes support for AMD FSR 3 and some other fixes. But that was the big story. So you can get Fidelity FX Super Resolution 3. It also added support for XC Super Sampling. Interesting. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, the On game... On top of the I old patch, which actually added uh, ultra-widescreen support, finally. The game is almost Bethesda. done. I think that... It's almost ready for release. Soon. We're in the... F a year later. 
All right. Uh, let me pull up this next story. Oh, there's a demo. Hold on. Let me. Uh... There is. There is. Because yes, the bad news is Homeworld Three has been delayed. It's coming soon, October eighth, I believe it is. Uh, a little bit later than they wanted, but for now, you can quickly grab a demo on Steam, and it'll even let you uh, save your progress towards the main game if you buy it, so that you don't have to uh, redo it. Nice. There's been a little, some people a little bit annoyed with the controls. Hmm. The, the the new feature in the game is that you're hiding behind space wreckage, right? So you, you can dip ships behind the space wreckage to be able to get out of the way of a missile volley or, you know, incoming fire. This does mean you leave to be a lot more precise than you did in Homeworld 1 and 2, where you just sort of had empty space. And as long as you were close to where you wanted to be, you were good. With this, you, you apparently, and I haven't tried it yet, uh, you have to be a little bit more finicky because you may just end up plowing into aforementioned space wreckage, which I don't think is going to work out well. They offer a, a, the ability to slow the game down. So like 75%, 50%, 25% sort of like uh, uh, total war games. But one thing that I did see mentioned was that you can't order if you completely pause the game. So at least you can sort of pause to get some theories together and then go down to 25% to perfectly place your ships. So no, I'm going to give it a shot and see uh, just how annoying this is, or if it's just a bit of a learning curve. And uh, once you get over it, you're, you're done. This is also bad news for anyone trying to go through the Homeworld uh, remastered series. Cause if you wanted to finish that before Homeworld three came out, well, you don't have much time. So I, I did this out of sequence, but the apparently the control issue may be behind the delay because it's been officially delayed until May 13 at this point. With advanced access happening on May 10 until it's delayed again. But I mean, that's the current release date. Now, it wouldn't be the gaming segment without a look at Humble Bundle. And uh, of course, Mega Would you Man. like me to mispronounce that for you? Are Humble you Bumble. Mega Man. Thank you. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Which one are you going to mispronounce? It's a game bundle with Mega Man games. You can pay $20 and get eight items, legacy collections of every imaginable uh, size and description. The main legacy collection, the legacy collection two, the Mega Man X legacy collection and collection two, Mega Man 11, Mega Man zero slash ZX legacy collection. What else? Why are there not? I guess there's coupons. Oh, so it's eight items if you count the fact that two of these are coupons for uh, yes. saving money off of a Steam game. Okay. It's mega. So that is it. That is uh, gaming quick hits for this week. And uh, no featured reviews this week. And no Josh. So it just feels weird. I mean, we're moving already into picks of the week. And I know. It's weird. I, I'm going to throw it to Jeremy, I guess. I have been, you know, fondly actually loving my memories of Diablo 1. I, I'm kind of fond of my memories of Diablo 2. I definitely played Diablo 3. So with that sort of an arch, I've been holding off on picking up Diablo 4 until suddenly, for whatever reason, uh, it is 40% off everywhere. 
whichever storefront you want to buy it from, whichever platform you want to play it on, it's 40% off. So I decided, all right, fine. I've heard it's really pretty, and it is. But the prices they were charging is just a little bit much. So I'm going to give it a shot now. If you've been holding off on Diablo, well, this is not a bad deal. I don't like the fact that it's always on. You can't just sort of pause it and go off and deal with something. And I have no interest in the season passes where you can pay 10 bucks for a chance at some new armor. But hey, you know, it's, it's, it's all back to Diablo 1. I just want to stop, sit a while, and listen. Well said. All right, Brett, your pick this week. There's an insidious thing going on in the entertainment world and where you may be enjoying a uh, television series and sometime down the road, you may want to share it with a friend or a relative or a significant other in your life. And you go to access it at your favorite streaming service du jour or wherever it is, you know, five, 10 years from now, and you can't find it or the episodes have been oh, shot up or exactly or maybe maybe they're they're not streaming it in a a quality version maybe it's down or or maybe you just have a few favorites that you want to monetarily support so i've got a couple of examples that maybe aren't the the best and they're not going to disappear anytime soon but here's a couple that i thought would be deserving of backup on physical media a little farscape here the 25th anniversary special and uh the expanse all the series is now these are probably going to be available for pre where's your time. firefly I don't, I can't, I can only hold two of them. Um, okay. So the, the point here is, is that, yeah, physical media is quote unquote dead. Now I may rip these and put them on a, uh, put them on my uh, local server, but you know, I own the physicals and Ooh, the 60, 55 the, bucks for the expanse. Yeah, That's it's nice. not bad. It's, it's actually a pretty good deal. The, the issue here is that if we trust the streaming services, whether that be for music or other entertainment, like like movies or, or series or videos or things like that, they're likely to fail us at some point in the future because we don't own the content. So if you like something, you might want to buy it physically, even if you do rip it onto your own server eventually, which I probably will do. Because as an executive from a certain gaming company recently said, we need our customers to get used to not owning our product. I've heard that. And I think it sucks. I think you should own stuff. It does. Yep. All right. Uh, my pick this week is actually computer <gasps> hardware you related. You have a pick. I bought last night in a moment of weakness, just, you know, unable to sleep. Like, Oh, what's what? Is, hmm. I'll, oh, oh, I'll, I'll buy a CPU cooler. I've been testing mm, CPU coolers. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I kept coming back to this one Thermalrite cooler. Now, back in the day, when I was last testing coolers, I bought a Hyper 212 Evo from Cooler Master because everybody was talking about that one. That was the cooler to buy. It was so cheap. It was like $30, $35. And it was as good as you could get for the money. So I bought one mm-hmm. to do comparative testing against. And these days, the mantle seems to have been given to thermal right with the peerless assassin yes the peerless peerless assassin 120 se which i don't think you I spent believe, enough on this i can't believe this price i paid 30 dollars <laughs> and 59 cents and wow i was not expecting a lot like it looks impressive in the pictures it's got all these heat pipes it's it's thermal right i mean do you remember the days when 
high-end cooling mint, you're you're choosing between the thermal what was it? The thermal right silver arrow and the Noctua D14. These days, this Peerless Assassin, I mean, the Gamers Nexus did a review of it, I think about eight months mm -hmm. ago. It is really good for the money. It mounts securely. The mounting process was actually perfectly fine. It reminds me a lot of a Ninja cooler from Scythe, like the Ninja 4 or oh. Ninja 5. I have one of those Ninjas. You're right about that. It's a little louder. That's the one thing about this is the fans are not ultra quiet. They Well, that's they because they're not be. tan. They're if they were sleeves. tan, they'd be quiet. They're probably sleeve yeah. fan. Are they bearing? Are they ball bearing? Are they sleeves? I bet they're sleeves. They're actually fluid dynamic. Uh, what? According to what? the stickers on the fans, it said Heat sink fans. Or, or sorry, power supplies fans. Unless I'm just blind. I thought I saw FDB on the fan. But... In any, in any case, it's $30. Yeah. yeah. For that price, you got two FDB fans at $30. Yeah, two fans of any two. kind, plus a dual tower heat sink. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> that paying, was my point. It doesn't feel like I'm paying for more <laughs> than the materials that they use and the packaging, <laughs> some basic marketing. And yeah. yeah, it's it gets a little loud under load if you're cooling something like a 14900K with it, which it <laughs> does exceed. It's I don't remember seeing an actual number on the box that I got. I think it's rated for about 250 to 260 watts. Will those uh, fans spin up above 2,000 RPMs or are they limited? No, to like I think it was 1,700 RPM, something like that. Mm -hmm. 16 to 1,700 RPM. Which uh, The description is beautiful, though. I Which mean, it, double tower cooling is stronger. It comes with an anti-falling-off mounting bracket. Ooh, we don't want it to fall down. That's good. Nope. Anti-gravity, essentially. They have six copper heat pipes here. It's got a... And I was... At this price level, I was not expecting a nicely milled, flat, nickel oh, nice. base. I mean, it, it's, the real tell is in the mounting hardware. Did it feel chintzy and wobbly, or was it like... Super tight. It, uh, it's kind of a mix. It was. It's very similar to Scythe in many respects. Okay. Uh, it's not it's any a bit different. Jang almost. Jangly then. A little but, bit. Yeah, it was very, a little yeah. wobbly. Actually, getting the little yeah. mm -hmm. um, like the mounting. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know what to call them. Like the little mounting arms that go on the posts. The ones they were wobbling around a little bit until I tightened down. Mm -hmm. It wasn't it was as secure as SecuFirm is with the Noctua stuff. There's nobody yeah. with a better mounting system than Noctua, in my opinion. Not that I've encountered. But these are very good, and I don't mind spending a couple of minutes fiddling with something when I'm spending thirty dollars on a cooler that can actually keep Amazing a modern price. CPU in check. Amazing. If you're running at you know stated TDPs, if you are enterprising enough to go into your system setup and say, hey, this uh, Intel processor has 125 watt TDP. I'm going to set it to 125 watts after 56 seconds. Let's put in 253 for your short-term power, actual Intel spec, 56 second tau, and then put in 125 watts for the long-term power limit. And that is actually perfectly reasonable with a cooler like this. You will never be thermally uh, limited. But if you are running with a 4,095 watt limit, as every, you know, Z600, 700 board I've ever seen starts with, uh, good luck. 
because this is going to go to 97 to 101 degrees immediately and start throttling. Right. So that'll do it for this week's podcast, this week's uh, grumpy old guys tech show, uh, which sadly Josh was not a part of because he's traveling and apparently streaming himself playing games on Twitch. Yeah, but yeah, he's traveling would over, have the, been. Uh, over Australia right now in hmm. hopefully not a 737 Max 9, but. Hmm. Yeah, the doors tend to. He definitely would have been a, uh, a front man for the grumpy old uh, show. He would have been. Yeah. We're not the cranky geeks. I mean, there's no John C. Dvorak here. Not yet. No. But someday. Give us time. If we play our cards right. The mouse. It's never going to catch on. And QWERTY <laughs> is just dumb. Don't let him walk away from that. He definitely said that. Yeah. He <laughs> said true. it more than Bill Gates said that 640 was more than anyone would ever need. Well, yeah, he only said that true. Like twice. We, 